Welcome to Behind the Sims. At SaberSim, we're a team of professional gamblers, data scientists, and sports nerds building the best DFS optimizer and sports betting model on the market. This podcast is a behind-the-scenes look at how we do it. Every episode is an unedited recording of our team's actual conversations as we research, analyze, and iterate our way to answering the tough questions in DFS and sports betting. Whether we're answering questions like what's the best way to build your bankroll, analyzing different ways to diversify, or even building new models, we're going to share it all right here and we aren't holding anything back. If you're ready to go deep into what it really takes to win, then this is a podcast for you. All right, so continuing the discussion that we've been having a contest uh, selection pretty much, and a lot of things I know you've been doing pretty much like over the weekend and today on Monday, uh, May 9th. But before we jump into that, Eric, though, I've got a question I just need Jordan helping with. And I know he was having some issues with the Barstool Sportsbook. Seems like they're resolved, but like, what is this first bet you placed where it was under 0.5 total runs in the first inning on this game? Like, why was that the bet you placed? I... I it was the very next game uh, on, and Barstool had the best line for it, and it was were they a, like way off the market or yeah they were it was uh, I think DK had minus one thirty five there. I mean it wasn't like I don't I I didn't look into it too deep. It was a risk free bet, and I wanted to just like get it down fast. Yeah. Okay. And so, and so for everyone, whether you're watching or listening, this was just like a 1K risk-free bet promo. And Jordan's first 1K bet was just under 0.5 runs, inning one in the San Diego Padres-Cleveland Guardians game. And I was just like, what is going on here? But, right, <laughs> that, that's reasonable enough. And it, and it worked out. They they were able to fix the, the computer. They gave me the, the, yeah, they gave me the, uh, the sportsbook credit back. So. All right. All right. So on to the real stuff. Um, last we were talking, I mean, the biggest thing we, we focused on was figuring out, okay, is this, me- is this measuring precisely enough? Um, are, we, are we isolating the variables enough? Um, and what do we need to do from there? And I think like the smaller note was, we we're looking at one percent, top one percent uh, score. We decided to look at both 0.1 percent and 0.01 percent, and just adding those in there. So you've reran that. Um, but I know what Jordan did was find like contest pairs, where he's like, okay, like these contests are like these other ones. Let's look at that. And it was basically this is probably like a bad way of describing it, but it's how it works in my brain. Was we filtered based on one factor and the three factors being entry limit, meaning how many entries can you put in buy-in and then total number of entries. And we would filter on one. So we would say, okay, let's only look at uh, 20 max contests. Then we would compare contests at different buy-in levels. We'd be looking at that but not really, or like, were we controlling for entrance as well? Or like Jordan, how would you describe Eric too? 
Uh, go ahead, Eric. Go for it. Okay. Um, yeah, so last, I guess last week, what we kind of started with is we essentially were controlling for just the one variable. Um, and sort of the reason to start there is, you know, for the most part, if like if the effect is strong enough, it'll sort of shine through those other two, uh, even though those other two aren't held um, constant. But what we ended up sort of seeing is that we needed to go deeper to, you know, hold essentially two of the variables constant, really isolate, okay, this is the impact of entry fee specifically and only. Yeah. Um, and try and just, yeah, isolate that factor. Okay. And I guess one of the questions I had just written down um, that I think is important to ask and needs to make sure this don't go off the rails, which this doesn't seem like it will, but they, these kind of like research projects are really hard to contain because you're never going to like, we're never going to get the answer. Um, so we just have to figure out like, okay, how deep are we going to dig and what are we actually trying to get? So I, I guess in your perspective, Eric, what do you see? I should probably get some, what I'm going to ask is what is the ultimate deliverable? But to give you some context, it was every Monday, um, Matt, Ben, and I have a long call where we go over priorities and basically figure out, okay, here's what everyone on the team is going to be focused on. And then from there, we go out and talk to the team and see what is the best way to accomplish this. Um, and I feel like we've got this week, really, to focus on capping this off. And even a full week might be too much. But that's like the, the 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 far end of it. So we're not going to get to like my uh, pie in the sky ideas of this like predictor of we're going to pull in all the contests and say and rank them all for you. But given that we're looking at that time frame of of scope, what do you see as being like a reasonable deliverable? Because we don't want to just come at the end of this and be like ah like these contests are kind of better than those ones. Like what, what is something better that you think we can realistically get? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a difficult question. Just, um, I think for sure on sort of like the content side, I mean, I do think that, um, obviously by picking some of the contests and like in some of the data, uh, with sort of what Jordan can get across, like, there's some contests where it's two and a half fantasy points, uh, like different in terms of just, oh, I'm playing this contest versus this contest, which like that actually works out to being like 5%. So like, that's like a solid gain there. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a little tough because it it sort of doesn't feel like there's the one thing at the end where it's like, here's like the i don't know like here's what we like built or are like putting out for this mm -hmm. um you know I, I think too like with some of the entry fee stuff i think that that's valuable too or not entry fees, sorry the like total entries uh, i think that's mm -hmm. valuable just in terms of like setting expectations and um that sort of thing but yeah, in terms of like a, a true deliverable, I do think that um, I don't have like that 
you know, that like North star to be sort of okay. shooting for or, like following. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and Jordan, jump in if, if you have different thoughts, but I guess for me, it's saying, okay, I think our deliverables as a company will be one, uh, better rules of thumb that we can sort of present succinctly mm-hmm. in the content that Jordan puts out in office hours and everything else where it's going to like, here are the, here's a one minute, the 90 second overview of how to pick the contest you're playing. Yeah. And then I think we can also do an interview with you, Eric, on office hours where you just kind of lay out everything that you found. And yep. that gives people who, it's not just more serious players, but it's like people who want to put in more thought and really want to understand everything going on behind the scenes. It gives them the context to do that. And I feel like that is enough. So I think that's, that's fine. Um, Jordan, did you have other thoughts? Uh, no, I agree. I think a kind of a consensus agreement on what people should think about when they're selecting for their contests would be a, a pretty good deliverable in my mind. Um, we've put out a lot of content already that is kind of an intuitive take on what the best contests are to play. And I think backing that up with data or saying something in some parts like, we did some analysis, we looked at the data here, and we actually think we should take it this way, or we should think about this instead. Um, giving people the tools to select their own contests regardless of what sport they're playing on, I think is the, the goal here. Okay. Um, so let's, I guess, just jump into some of that analysis. Uh, Jordan, will you be able to give I was trying to bring up DraftKings just like figure out like what each contest is. I see on the right, Eric, you have like what the differences, but can one of you guys explain to me what like each of the contests are like for themselves? Uh, I mean, yeah. So these first two, Chin Music and Knuckleball at the top, these are both $5 to enter contests around 4,000 average entrance. Uh, the chin music is a single entry and the knuckleball is a 150 max. Okay. And so for this first one, what we're doing is comparing two similar contests at price points at the entry fee and ignoring the fact that there's a single entry and not really ignored, but like the chin is a single entry knuckleball is 150 max. And so what do you take from this? It looks like, or actually, so so we're evaluating this entry limit here. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We're comparing two contests of the same buy and size with similar number of entrants. Yep. And the only difference, I get it. Okay. But so when I look, if, if you're listening to this, this is going to be harder to follow. And so I would probably jump over to YouTube or just hopefully we'll describe this. Okay. Um, the cash score delta for both of these is negative what is that what is that in relation to is yeah, this so, like that go for it yeah it's it's still in relation to the flagship um and okay. the reason why i did that is i didn't want to lose the like if we were comparing two contests they might be good contests uh like on their own but when you're comparing them it's like if you're comparing two really soft contests like how do you tell if 
that contest is then softer than something else. Um, so it's still denominated in terms of compared to the, the flagship, the big $15, the big $18, um, just so that, you know, we could compare the chin music to something different. Uh, so it's like, and I guess the goal at the end is to be able to compare all of these where you're saying, okay, I have $50 to put in for the day. Um, I know that, you know, maybe the chin music is better than the knuckle ball, but then how does that also relate to the daily dollar or something like that? Okay. And what, what do you read? How do you read into these numbers that we see for comparing these two? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely those two are, it's like less strong of a relationship. Uh, I would say that the single entry is marginally softer. Uh, in general, the more negative, the more soft the contest is. Um, but like, to me, that's a, you know, it, is there an advantage in putting an entry into the, like, if you're playing one entry, putting it into the chin music over the knuckleball? Yes. Is that advantage like 30%? Like, no, it's not. Um, yeah. So I guess one of the, this to me begs the question is like, we've talked about this difference in points. How, how should I even think about that? Like is a one point difference a lot? Does yeah, so, that matter on, I guess these are averages. So like it's accounting for different slates, but like how, how should I actually think about that? Or how should anyone dealing with this? Yeah, so the way that I sort of came up with thinking about that is um, essentially, so on today's slate, there's uh, Carlos Rodon and Julio Urias. So, you know, both pitchers, um, and they are about two and a half fantasy points apart, like projected. Um, and so what I did is I went in to, to our Sims and I looked, okay, do we have them two and a half points different? So how often then does Rodon outscore Urias? Um, just so like, you know, if you hold the rest of the lineup completely static, but you play Urias in one and Rodon in another, like which lineup wins uh, X amount of the time. And so what it turns out to be is that two and a half points is about 5%. Um, of so, like it's like a five percent probability increase, I guess. So if if we were playing head okay. to head, and I had Rodon and you had Urias, I would I get win five percent more than you, or I guess ten percent total. But yeah, is so that it, like consistent across slates? I mean, I, I like I definitely think it would be slightly slate independent um you know it's it is a little bit tricky to to put like an exact number on and kind of a like a true example of okay what does this two and a half points mean um the, the other way i looked at it was two and a half points in terms of like 
your projected optimal for a given slate. If the top one is, I don't know, 110, and then you generate all these lineups to get to 107.5, that's usually about like lineup 250, 300 around there. Um, so like, you know, you're giving up a decent amount uh, if it's if the difference is is two and a half, um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit tricky to think about. Okay. Yeah, cause that that's probably one of the bigger things I think we've got to wrap our head around is how do we navigate? Not even navigate, but it's like. How do we take these findings and say, okay, like, here's how to act on that. Um, and like, do yeah, we I mean, have, yeah, uh, go for it. I would, I would just say like the, I don't know, the like maybe bad part about it is like, it's not, you know, it's not going to be like this massive edge where it's just like, okay, if you do this, like, you know, if you just pick the right contest, like you're winning, um, like it, again, it, it is, you know, you're picking up smaller two, three, 4% edges, um, which hopefully is on top of other stuff going to push you profitable or push you even higher with your ROI. Um, so I, I mean, it is, it is a little tricky to like, put that in good terms where it's like, okay, this, this small thing that you're pushing, like, obviously is important, but you know, it's like, it's not like just do this one thing and you're good, I guess. I was kind of surprised actually for this first example between these two contests to see that it was basically just about a point at the top one, top 0.1%. Because I think these two contests have dramatically different. And to repeat, it's same buy-in, same number of entrants, but one is a single entry and one is um, 150 max. Yes, and therefore very different effective entrants. Yeah. yeah, I was, I was, and again, I think it is hard to wrap my head around what a fantasy point different means but i was surprised to see that that's what these two amounted amounted to here what about uh, surprised you i expected a bigger difference i can you just like elaborate a bit more like what, what were you looking for i would have and i would have expected that the the difference between what it took to put a lineup in the top one percent or top point one percent between the chin music and knuckleball was maybe the biggest discrepancy between two contests on our entire list here. I, I expected because yeah. these two have the biggest effective entrance difference amongst almost anything here. And mm -hmm. I, I expected these two to, to have the biggest difference between them. Um, and they have one of the, the smaller differences. Um, I just found that interesting. Um, and it seems like, and I think, I don't know. 
I, I think, and maybe maybe getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but it, it seems like two of the really big factors that actually change things here is the threshold of can Sharks play the contest uh, and just total lineups, regardless of effective entrance. It seems like more lineups, higher bank score very consistently. Um, and I think I was surprised starting with these two contests to see that some of the other factors that we've talked about before have a smaller impact than I expected. I think why that's particularly interesting is like one, two, three percent up to 5% edges are really nice to pick up when you can. And it makes sense if you're, you have to play contests anyway. So you should play ones where you get those little edges, but because you can do other things with your contest selection, like spread out your risk by getting more unique lineups in play and other things like that, it just gets more interesting. I've told people uh, before. Well, I guess like, I don't still fully understand the picking up like 5%. Like, are you literally saying, what What does that equate to? Is like 5% what? Like, is this literally a 5% edge where if I am wagering $100 in this other contest, I will get $5 more? What, when we, Eric, when you're talking about like the 5% thing, what does that actually translate to? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's like, you kind of hit it on the head there where it is essentially like, okay, if, you know, if you're two and a half points ahead in terms of projected fantasy points, like I, th I think that that seems right in terms of that equating to your then 5%. So you could be break even in one contest and plus 5% ROI in the other with the same exact lineup. Is, is I what think, this is saying? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. At a two and a half fantasy point difference. So in this case where we have a one fantasy point difference, yeah, we're talking like about 2%. a two percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think, Jordan, you made some really good points. And I also was surprised at how close that the one fifty maxes and the single entries were. Um I, I do think like like that, that to me is just skeptic, makes me skeptical. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. <laughs> what were you going to say though? Keep going. Just like, I think part of it is, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot more like optimizers out there these days. Uh, I think just in general, it's like, it's just easier to, it's easy to throw a lineup in the chin music uh, and kind of like still be building like 150 max or something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I just like, again, I, I was like, when I ran the analysis and saw that, I kind of was trying to come up with some explanations because I mean, I, I agree with you, Andy. I thought like I was skeptical too. Uh, you know, went back, checked everything looked fine um could so. could an explanation for this just be that in mlb there are so many possible lineups that like the difference between your top lineup and your 150th lineup in ev is like minimal and so the fact that people are putting in their top lineup in the single entry contest 
And then the pros are putting in 150 of their top lineups in this other one. I'm trying to find a way to describe so I don't know if you guys are getting what I'm getting at. But like, if the 150th lineup was, uh, actually, I don't know. I'm trying to just figure out like, what this says about those other 150 lineups, like the 100, other 149 lineups. Um, and maybe I'm actually backwards on it. Like maybe they, because so what we see here is the Bink score is about half a point off, which isn't nothing, but it's about, they're about half a point separate with the 150 max being a higher Bink score or lower what what is this one saying yeah just like i mean it's it's pretty darn close but yeah so it, that one's more negative so it's a little bit less lower yeah which okay so then that almost suggests that i don't know yeah i just don't even know how to read into this is really what i'm struggling with yeah i mean let's jump I, let's jump to the next think... one and see yeah I definitely think like the the dollar amount and with what Jordan said with uh, like the uh, advanced both players of, or both of these players. are only available to non-experienced players. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it does seem like, I mean, what drives bank score is entries, and the biggest other differences in cash score, top 1%, all that stuff is, is this, does this contest allow experienced players or does it not? Um, Do we have, can we jump to a comparison of a contest that allows experienced players and like, I guess the base hit and daily dollar, right? Yep. Yeah. And even the, the chin music there too. The chin music does not like, Experienced players can play. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we can just jump down the chin music and the daily dollar. Both single entries, chin music against five dollars single entry, daily dollars one dollar. Yeah. So why don't we just say what we see there? Eric wants to go. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I mean, here uh, obviously you see uh, a little difference in the cash score with the daily dollar being being softer. Um, the 1% are pretty close. Uh, and then and then the Bing score um, is, is actually close? higher. All right. I, I like, mean, I think they're pretty It's like close. almost two different. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I was talking to music. Yeah, the, so the daily dollar with okay, the base okay. hit, um, th those ones for sure, like, there's a... No, no, sorry, sorry. So, like, let, I, I'm messing this up for anyone that's listening and probably watching, but like chin music, 1%. Chin music is minus 0.8. Daily dollars plus 0.9. It's like, is that close? Like that? that's like a two point difference, pretty much. They're both negative. I yeah, think. They're, they're both negative. Weirdly on my screen, okay. This, no, I see it when I look, we're gonna, Jordan, jot down a note. Like this will be one of the parts we edit out. Okay. Like on on what I, if you look at what I am sharing in Streamyard, 
is that negative? It's like, I don't see the minus sign next to the daily dollar one. In the spreadsheet, I do, but not in what I'm sharing. Uh, I see it in the sharing and, and in, the, uh, in the spreadsheet. This is so wild. Okay, uh, so I, I will just make sure to look at, I'm gonna take a screenshot of this. Yeah, I was gonna say, yes. I wanna see it. This is like That's insane wild. to me, but. Uh, okay, I'm, yeah, I'll send you a screenshot then. Okay. I can oh, already yeah. see it that you're- Yeah, look at that, it's not scared. Yeah, so no, okay, I'm gonna look at that spreadsheet then. Okay, so let's start over. Chin Music Daily Dollar. Sure. Um, how would you compare these two here? Yeah, so I mean, like, obviously, kind of, like, we sort of can do a three-prong comparison here. Uh, the Daily Dollar, you know, kind of across the board compared to these contests that allow the experienced players uh, is, is a little bit softer. Um, and for sure, you see that when you're comparing it to, to the base hit. Uh, you know, there like there's some some big deltas there. Like, right, the base is a twelve dollars single entry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so like there, you know, even the cash scores, uh, like it's two point seven fantasy point difference for the chin music, which is the five dollar, uh, and about three point three for the for the twelve dollar. So some some pretty decent differences there. Um, I guess one of the somewhat interesting parts is like, and I, my guess is it's just sample, but with the Bing scores, um, the daily dollar is technically harder to Bing than the Chin Music, but then easier than the bass hit. Uh, and my guess would be it's it's just some sample stuff. Uh, okay. that's, a, that's a little bit wonky there. Um, yeah, I think on that point though, it is it's worth noting that it is a pretty significant difference between those two like if we are saying that a two and a half fantasy point edge is is five percent probability like that it's very Not, strange that but to be clear i don't are we saying five percent probability or five percent edge like five percent added you are five percentage points added you are because those are very different things I would interpret it more as the latter, where it's five percentage points. Okay. I think added to your ROI. Yeah. I I mean I don't even uh, I don't even I don't know like we can even just look at the <laughs> fantasy points. <laughs> no, but I guess like so I I'm, I I want to hear your point, Jordan, but like I just do think the biggest underlying question of the analysis we have right now is like okay we're showing difference in fantasy points to get to these uh, milestones. What does that mean? And saying you're 5% more likely to get this is different than saying you get five percentage points extra on your ROI. That's like very different. Um, but if we're saying neither, that's different too. So I guess we should, and, and if the answer is I'm not sure, that's fine, but like that would just lead me to believe like that's kind of the next thing is just getting clearer on what like how deeply should I read into these and what should I try to figure out with these numbers. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I, I'm definitely not certain in my answer. I, I do think that the example of like Rodon and Urias, I think that that's 
like solid if you think of it because the reason why it's difficult is because there's 2000 entrants into these um and so if, if you reduce it to like a head-to-head -head where you know i have a two and a half point advantage over you like i'm gonna win our head-to-head -head five percent more of the time versus if we just had the same lineup it'll be 50 50. so this is not something we can obviously do without a crazy amount of work but theoretically like wouldn't it be possible to say just generate 150 not like optimal lineups uh like mathematically optimal lineups but just generate 150 lineups and see what that would return in one contest and compare that to the next in a single yep. entry i guess you would just compare your top lineup in one to the next it's like that's what seems most obvious to me is i don't care about the point differential i care about the pay differential okay yeah. does that make sense i don't know uh, i think so like um yeah because like i mean we could generate 150 and you just kind of like max it and say okay like for the single entry look at the top lineup in this contest and put that one in the same and see what they get paid out in three max pick the top three and 20 max pick the top 20 and 150 and i know that's not like perfect but like that i feel like will be representative enough of of something that will get us a much better because I, I think <laughs> I, I feel like i was just kind of a dick on a lot of the calls today because we just went down a lot of rabbit holes and where i was like guys like the fundamental thing that we're trying to figure out that we don't know if it's A or B dramatically changes everything else that we talk about it. And I feel like this might be one of those scenarios where without really knowing how big these differences are, it's kind of hard to draw conclusions like other than directionally. And I think this is an improvement for sure on what we had before. And I'm assuming we can get like conclusions that probably are fine for Jordan and I to go run with it for the content. Um, but I don't think we have enough. We know about the magnitude is probably what I'm saying is that to really read too deeply into it or say too conclusively about it. Um, so and I guess I, I agree with yeah. that just for, okay. for what it's worth. I, I think that, you know, the even some of the conclusions that I felt like I reached, it was like sort of a soft conclusion yeah. in terms of like, you know, for the most part, like the the contests with non experienced players are softer than more experienced players, but I didn't have a read on like, oh, but how much or um, yeah, more like specific versus, I guess, directional, like you said. Yeah, I mean, can you think of some way to try to measure ROI like returns on actual lineups without a wild amount of work yeah i mean i'll, I'll think about it I, I don't think in okay. uh i don't know maybe i'm just optimistic but i feel like it's possible uh to actually be measuring the roi and yeah yeah i i think it's it's doable
And maybe it's not even just the top lineup in a single entry. Like maybe you are looking at if we could theoretically put in a hundred different lineups and then average it together and say like, okay, because you're getting a, a big, bigger sample of how would right. this, these lineups compare in this contest versus that. Um, I think that could be interesting. Um, all right. So I guess like that's one of the big things we'll circle back to as far as like what's next from here. Um, but ignoring everything I just said, what are like the other things that jump out at you here? Like what, what would you highlight from, from the other things in here? Um, yeah. So like, I mean, I guess some of the other interesting things, uh, we've kind of touched on already, but like, you know, with the, the skipper and the battery, like it seems like for the most part, once you get to a certain, and what are these contests? Sorry. These are the, it's a, a $25 three max, I believe. What um, uh, single sure. entry, single entry. Okay. Yep. Um, and then a $121 single entry. Um, and so, yeah, so those ones, across the board, it's, it's pretty similar, uh, which seems to indicate like once you get to a certain, I guess, like level and sort of like entry fee, it just doesn't uh, matter. It just doesn't really matter. And my guess would be that the people playing in this $25 single entry are a lot of the same people who are playing in the $121. Uh, cause that's one of the things that like, as a, peer-to-peer gambling game like fundamentally dfs has flaws because of that like in poker um in a casino you can play one table at a time online you were limited on how many tables you could play different sites of different rules but effectively like even then like you still had to like be there clicking the buttons and so some people were just better at that than others and the more tables you played you were knowingly sacrificing some uh edge and just saying well the hands per hour i'm getting by adding the tables is, is more than worth it um whereas with dfs that's not at all the case really i mean theoretically no they like it's not because you're yeah, no, I think... if you don't care about if you don't care about variance you don't even have to build more lineups you could theoretically just put in the same lineups in multiple contests um, and not try to limit it. So you don't even have to be playing worse lineups to play more entries. But it's just the the amount of effort it takes to just, when you're bulk entering, add one to it is, is infinitesimal. Like, it just doesn't matter. And I think that is one of the challenges of DFS is sharks have so much leverage in a contest because in the sense that, like, Say online, I was playing, I used to play like a lot of tables, say 24 tables at once. That was on the higher end, at least when I was playing. Um, that's still nowhere near 150. Yeah. Um, and the fact that like most of the other pros are playing that same amount too. And so you just need so much more recreational money to make up for that. That it's honestly like one of the things that is is more concerning about the long-term sustainability of DFS is that I, I still believe that because it is just way more mainstream than poker was 
And DraftKings and, and FanDuel have done such a good job of marketing that like, I'm not super concerned about it, but it is just still like a, a factor where it just shows them like, no, like these contests just aren't different. They're both just like pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And like, I think, yeah, I think the big thing is just, it's so easy to get money down in DFS. Like, yeah, it's not even like sports betting. It's like, okay, you can, you know, bet $200 here and go to this other place and bet $200 there. Like the, the barrier to get money down there is like significantly higher than just like, oh, let me click on this and, you know, 22 entries here and 56 here like it is just so much easier um and so yeah if you're if you're someone who's deploying a lot of capital like why wouldn't you enter this 25 dollar contest and this 121 dollar contest um so yeah i think it's just hard to like actually see a difference in who you're playing if you're not in the non-experienced contest basically yeah, and this is obviously out of the scope of what we're doing now because it just wouldn't be applicable to many people at all. But I would be interested in some of the extremes of looking at like the 10K three-mans and like some of those really small contests to just see like are there spots where you can basically pick off fish. Um, but outside of those exceptions, really what this is saying is intuitively – and in poker, you would see it very significantly where like going from a blind, a two, four game to five, 10 would be hard going to from two, four to 10, 20 is like 10, 20 games were insanely difficult. And then from that to 25, 50, it's like you get some levels where there might be more like super rich fish that show up, but the other pros are just so much better to be there. It's hard, like the game are just harder, but it really does seem like in DFS, when you cross that threshold of experience versus non-experienced, there's not a major difference. And it's possible that at, like the nosebleeds, that's a little different, or at like those really small, like cashy type contests, it's different. But for GPPs, the way I'm reading this, once you cross that threshold, it doesn't matter a ton. I, I agree with that. Do, assuming we're not questioning like any of the things that we're talking about before, whether how big is this impact, whatever else, um, what would be your takeaways on this for entry limit, the impact of entry limit? Like, should you first try to take all of the single entries before going to three max before going to 20 max or like what would what would you take away from this yeah i mean so what i would say is i think it makes sense to do the the single entries um basically like you're maxing all of those uh and essentially like as you're going up go to like, okay, I'm taking care of all of the singles, all of the three maxes, and then, and so on and so on and so on. Um, I'm, I'm curious Jordan's thoughts on this. And even like, uh, I think some people 
feel like they have to play the same lineup if they're playing three single entry contests. They have to play the same lineup in all of those. Uh, so I'm curious to hear Jordan's thoughts on that because yeah. I do think that that's interesting. Uh, just in terms of like, you know, minimizing some of the variance uh, and trying to sort of realize some of that EV a little bit quicker versus stacking everything together, I guess. I almost always recommend for people's set of single entry and even three max lineups to group them together and play a unique lineup in each. I think the EV of even the top, I don't know, uh, many, many lineups is close enough that it makes sense to sacrifice the small differences in the EV between the overall best lineup you could play to the next one and spread out your risk a little bit there. Um, I even recommend, I mean, I think there's some personal component to that of like, can you swallow your best lineup being in the daily dollar when it by pure chance basically could have been in the 121 at some point people aren't going to be happy with that but i always think it's worth trying to to spread out a little bit there um i had one really quick question here why why is the data in like the chin music in row eight versus the chin music in row nine why are those numbers different if it's being compared to the flagship? Well, wait. Yes. No, I, we'll I, I, I understand it. Um, so the reason why it's different is basically, so for these, they had to match. Like, so the, I made sure that the chin music and the daily dollar, like they had to take place on the same day in the comparison. So like if we had... 80 days of chin music data and we had 70 days of daily dollar data we would throw out the 10 days that they don't match and that's just so like if there's something weird in those 10 days where like because essentially for that in those 10 days we're giving the daily dollar a delta of zero but the chin music is still you know bouncing around um so yeah basically the contests that are like measured here, they have to take place on the same day as well. So okay. this to me, and this was one thing I think Jordan and I were a bit confused about when you were mentioning it before, where you were just like, we don't have big samples on some of these. It's like, that is not, that's a problem of our data collection. Because like these contests happen every day. Um, if there's a chin music, there's a daily double. Um, if there's a chimney music, there's a knuckleball. Like, and so if we're not collecting them each day, that's a data collection issue. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to make a note of that. I don't think it's going to be easy at all to fix as we can't just pay yeah. someone just like make sure we're collecting everything um, or just set up alerts to just like monitor it all. But it is something to at least be aware of that our coverage is not it's solid like clearly like if, if those are the, the disparities that you're seeing that's like very good but it they should match um yeah and and my guess is that the problem is coming like once the contest starts or i guess once the contest ends because like that's when we're pulling in which lineup scored what 
and sort of all of that. Like that's basically where the data is generated. Uh, whereas Should we have another table, which is just like, here's the contest. It's on this slate, uh, like entry fee, everything. Um, and I believe those are two separate that I would have to ask. Okay, we can dig into that. I mean, separately. Yeah. One. I mean, one other thing about this. I mean, I will just, if we're having, so I mean, just, I'm li literally looking at individual cells here. So I mean, comparing F19 to F8, which says that the chin music has a three and a half point swing in bank score just based on the way that we sample the data compared to the flagship. If that's the case, to me, that means this data is super noisy and that like we can't accept that that's true and then also say that a one point or two and a half point difference between other contests here. No, that's fair. Significant. Yeah. Uh, let me, uh, I can tell you the, the samples. Um, no, that's, that's I, that makes sense. Yeah, so daily dollar with the chin music. We have a sample of 34, which fall within, I did the entries within a difference of 500, if that makes sense. What so, if you just remove that? I would just remove that filter. Let me get up to 55. But like, so the, the yeah. reason why I have that filter in is just like with our idea of holding the yeah. entry, like the end, like those two things constant and really isolating the one. Cause like we get some differences where the chin music is like a thousand entries and the daily dollar is 3,500. Or like twenty nine hundred. Um, so I, I do think that that's about. Like, no, no, so I, I think actually now that I'm wrapping my head around this more, I as long as the differences are for good reasons, I think that makes sense. Like if this was just if the only reason the chin music when compared to the bass hit, so in this one, chin music is minus 12 points on the bank score delta from the flagship, but when compared to the daily dollar, it's minus 8.3 points for the bank score. If for each of those, the logic for narrowing the pool is to just remove outliers. I think this is fine. And we shouldn't look at it as saying, there's a bunch of noise here. It, because if we don't have those filters, we would knowingly be adding noise. And we should not be looking at this as like the chin music should be the same for each of these comparisons. It's like we're, con Eric's controlling yeah, the variables to make it no, but like that, like actually, like a really good point to bring up. But I'm, 
feeling okay about it. I am too. Even like w- w- the way, like when Eric, you, when you described it, I was like, oh, like, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because okay. like if there's a 250 point bank score one night because all the chalk goes off, the discrepancies are all going to appear larger. So this one. Yeah. And uh, I mean, again, it's, you know, you're like, I-, I arrived at 700 because like it felt right. Like, you know, you could make a case for a thousand entries apart. Like, no, uh, and I, that's at, at some point you do have to make a little bit of a call there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, All I right. do think that that's valid. No, no, but like I, this, your explanation like makes me feel much better about it. Cause I was a person <laughs> like, this is all fucked. Uh, I think it's, it's better now. Um, all right. So before we wrap, the two things I wanted to focus on are at the bottom where it's, what's the QJ? Uh, quarter jukebox. Okay. Sorry. And then mini max for small one. And to be, for the quarter jukebox, obviously it's 25 cent entry. For the big mini max for the small mini max, this is not comparing the $1 to the 50 cent. It's comparing the first $1 to if that fills and they post another, what does that look like? Correct. Yeah. And so, so that's for both of them. So basically the, the big quarter jukebox and the big mini max, that's, you know, the first one that they post often those fill and then they'll release a second one. Um, and so, yeah, these are directly compared like same day, same, essentially everything. Uh, what are the findings? And I mean, really the findings are just that, um, you know, in, our like for the most part they're they're pretty close uh you know in the second contest which is usually a little bit smaller uh it's it's a tricky effect um like you know in in the first quarter jukebox we have actually a lower bank score in the first one versus the second one uh which is unexpected because the second one would be smaller uh whereas in the minimax it's like it follows the pattern that we kind of would have thought. Um, so. I almost am wondering if similar to the way we said that the number, the entry fee matters only up to the threshold, the $3 threshold. I almost wonder if effective entrance is actually similar that the bigger quarter jukebox is a little bit softer because there's more recreational money in it because it has more effective entrance. But while you would expect that same behavior in the Minimax, you don't actually get that. And the fact that the lower number of total lineups means that the bank score is going to be lower takes over, that there's almost like an inflection point between those two factors. Because otherwise, it's hard to reconcile these to me, that the quarter jukebox would imply a bigger contest with, is softer and the mini maxes would imply a smaller contest is softer. I, I think that that's a great point. And um, uh, like, I mean, I definitely agree that I don't think it invalidates that the bigger the contest or sorry, the smaller the contest, the lower that the bank is going to be. Um, but it does seem like there's some weird effects 
I, regarding the quarter jukebox? I, I think, so this is one of the points to make that it's purely intuition based on all these things, but that's ultimately what we're going to have to mm -hmm. rely on to some extent. We want to keep digging into the data, but we're going to have to draw some conclusions from it. And I think, frankly, the difference between when you max out, the quarter jukebox is 20 max. Mm -hmm. So for a quarter, that's five bucks. It's $150 for the Minimax, for the $1 one. And so if you max out the big quarter jukebox, if the extra $5 to max out the next one is like such a big issue to your bankroll, you probably shouldn't be playing it. It's like, it's, it's, it's $5. Like, like at the end of the day, I think that has a very big impact on it where it's just like, it's so we like people are just going to play that next one. Uh, the, the, the pros are like, it's like everyone's going to play that next one. And probably the, I, there's a lot of assumptions in this, but like, I would assume that for a 25 cent entry contest, DraftKings is very unconcerned about hitting the guarantee. So if they post a second one, it's like going to be not that big. And there's going to be a ton of time left to fill it. But they also don't care. Like if they post a $500 contest and doesn't feel like it literally means nothing to them. And so the only people like watching the lobby like a hawk are going to be the grinders. And so I can see that being a case where it's like, oh, like I'm just going to put more into this one. Mm -hmm. Whereas when it costs $150 to max out the contest, I I wouldn't play like that. And this is not me being like a, a dick, like $100, like I don't care about, but like, I'm not going to play this like 5k, 150 max, mini max, when there's like 25 people, like 30 people can max it out. Because I'm like, no, this is just dumb. Like, th there's no way I'm beating the rake. Whereas when it's $5, click a button, put in your money, like, who cares? So I, I feel like at the absolute dollar amounts, even regardless of the experienced players versus non, I just think it's like when it's that cheap, that has to have an impact. Um, and so thinking about it from that way, and that is me projecting – a ton on this, but like I, assuming my my hunches are accurate, this kind of makes sense to me. So I, I think too, like I mean, I I also agree with that. Uh, I, I did go back and look, and we have like there's 132 times where we have too many maxes, and like 26 with two quarter jukeboxes. Okay. So I mean. Yeah. Certainly, the sample size would lead you to trust the Minimax way more, uh, which I think also makes sense. But um, I feel like that sample size also leads, like, supports my hypothesis. Yeah. 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 About, like, it's pretty rare. And the, if it's rare, it's going to be happening late. And the only people watching the lobby late are going to be, for the most part, the grinders. Um, and an extra $5 just, like, doesn't matter to them. So they're, of course, going to play it. Um, and the last thing we will wrap, but um, we don't have it in this, but it was a comparison between the Minimax and 
the flagship, which I guess like technically we do have here by just looking at the Minimax. Um, like this data suggests that in general, the Minimax has a higher bank score than the flagship contest. The other numbers are more like our, the Minimax is softer by looking at the other factors, but by looking at what it takes to win, it is harder to win the Minimax than the flagship, right? Yeah. And so my guess for that is it's just a function of how many people are in it. Uh, usually the Minimax is like, I don't it's know, like double one and a half times double. Yeah. Like it's, it's a pretty big contest. Um, but I mean, definitely that was another thing that was surprising to me is, I mean, even like I remember playing the Minimax and that was like my favorite contest. I felt like I did extremely well at it. Uh, sort of when I was like coming up and that like, you know, that was like one of the contests. Um, and yeah, I mean, to see it, it's like, doesn't look like that great of a, of a con like it basically just mirrors. I mean, it's, it's a little bit softer, but it's, it's pretty darn close to just being a bigger replica of the 15. Yeah. And what I've thought about this is it's shitty in the sense of, no, this is not a contest like grind up your bankroll. However, it is a training ground where if you are beating the Minimax over a decent sample and have the bankroll for it, you should feel comfortable playing the flagship. Is that reasonable? Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Uh, like, I mean, obviously it's like to, to go from, I mean, maybe you wouldn't move from maxing one to maxing the other, but like, I mean, that's a, that's a but steep I guess jump. Like, uh, but I'm saying like throw your nitty uh, bankroll management rules aside. <laughs> if, if this like, if you're being the Minimax, you should, with those same lines, they should be plus CV in the flagship. I, I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. Like, ultimately, like, yes, going from that to just, like, maximum, the next one is a massive <laughs> jump. But, like, if hey, if, if anyone's listening to this and you are beating the Minimax over a significant sample, I would love to stake you in the flagship contest, so please reach out, uh, Andy at Sabersum.com. But if, if you don't have uh, the bankroll or the 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 confidence, whatever else maybe, it's like, I get it. Like, this is something where I definitely have a different perspective on it, having been a professional gambler for the last, like, 15 years, where, to me, I do kind of remember those early days where, like, the absolute dollars meant a lot more. Um, and being scared to take that next jump up from one, two to two, four in poker, whatever else it may be. And like getting crushed and it's like going back down and grinding up and taking another shot. Uh, so I, I know what that's like, but I do think this is a way to test the waters for people without like, because if I could have said, Hey, how do I play the next higher tier of opponents without risking two to three to four to five times as much money? That would have been awesome. And in DFS, like 
it, it is a double-edged sword where it does mean like, yeah, these contests aren't that uh, juicy, but it's a cheap way for you to, to test the waters. And I think that's like really good advice that we can give in some of our content, Jordan. It's like, look, like you want to be a high stakes crusher. Beating the Minimax is not easy. Yeah. You shouldn't tell anyone that it is. But if you do, you should feel confident about moving up and not though, unless you have a bigger bankable because the swings and other things that we're going to study more down the road, like the swings are going to be massive mm-hmm. and everything else. But like assuming you have the bankroll to weather that, you have you you know you have the skill to do it, um, so I think that's helpful, uh, really helpful to know. Um, and I guess to wrap up, what I would just say is, from here, Eric, um, you're a thousand times smarter about this stuff than than me, so I won't be like prescriptive about the way to do it. But I would say, try to find a way that feels good about measuring the return of actual lineups in the different contests, just so we can wrap our heads around it a bit more, but like, all right, big score minus eight versus minus five. Like what, like, what does that really, like how big of a difference is that? Because I'm assuming the rules of thumb of saying, fill your bankroll allocation from the lowest entry limit and lowest stakes to the, like first go through the entry limit then stakes like like having some hierarchy is like probably reasonably accurate, but I I do think it's going to be tough where it's like well there's this four dollar twenty max versus this whatever else and like how do we we handle that and I think looking at the actual returns is going to be the best way to do it so I'd say check that out we can circle back on it but like does that seem like something reasonable we could check back in tomorrow maybe maybe Wednesday or what are your thoughts. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll think about it today uh, and and kind of get back to you. I feel like Wednesday is safe. Uh, okay. uh, just one sort of last thing that we I think we'll eventually get to, but like with you know with the rules of thumb that you're talking about, uh, I think for sure some of those. And then honestly, I think a big takeaway that I sort of found today was in realizing your EV based on the number of entrants in yeah. the contest. I think that that might be the biggest takeaway of any of this, to, to be completely honest. Um, and all I would say with that is I 100% agree, but make sure that you look at payout structure. Because yeah. yes, the bigger the contest, the more likely it is to be a top-heavy payout structure. But like there are winner-take-all, there are satellites, and those are sort of outliers, but the to me, the variance comes from, actually, you could probably just write like a very simple equation for it where it's what percent of the prize pool goes to the top person. And then like what percent of the, the you get what I'm saying? Like what, I guess, what is the multiple that the winner gets on their buy-in? Right. Is probably the easiest way of determining, well, not probably it is these way of determining the uh how top heavy a contest is so i would look at that and that in my mind encompasses everything else because like that that really is a variable we're like a there are flat contests that are very big 
they're rare, <laughs> getting rarer, but like they exist. Whereas there are smaller contests that are just like wildly top heavy. And it's my, I don't even know how to call it a hunch. I feel like it's strong at that, but like it's based on the top heaviness as a ratio of everything else. So I would, I would look at it as that. Yeah. Yep. Will do. Awesome. Um, anything else you guys want to chat about before we wrap up? I was just going to mention, I think that's also a factor with the mini max versus the relay throw discussion. Like if we're saying those two contests are about as hard to beat as each other, winning the mini max, you only are taking about 10% of the total prize pool home. And while your swings are going to be a lot more, you're rewarded a lot more in the relay throw. You're doing something that is just as hard. Your swings won't be more in the mini max. No, your swings will be more in the relay throw. Right. But you're also because, more because the difference rewarded. between first and second is so much bigger. Yeah. Like the mini max pays up a lot of its equity, like paying two X min cash and things like that, um, that take away from that first prize. So I think looking at payout structures is, is a good idea. Right. Because that, that is actually makes a lot of sense because to summarize in my own words, just this is me like making sure I am on the same page as you. The relay throw might be theoretically easier to win. However, and this is something we haven't talked about at all. If you come in second, it is way more costly in the relay throw than the minimax. Right. And uh, so like those like yeah. that Delta is massive. Even if it's like half a point or less, which mm -hmm. I, I, I know we've seen, it's like that, that is the challenge with variance and with everything else is that, sure, these contests might be harder to bank, but if you don't bank it, you're not going from 100K to 10K. Whereas in the flagship contest, especially like mid to late season, that happens. And like that's uh, another thing because we're talking about. One top one percent, top point one percent, top point oh one percent. But literally, if if you are dropping off from hundred k to ten k, or like even fifteen twenty k, you need to win that contest to be plus to to realize your edge. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people intuitively understand. But I haven't heard anyone try to quantify that. So hopefully, Eric, I, in the next uh, 48 I do hours, like, you can solve this for all of us. Yeah, I, I have a couple preliminary numbers on that. If, if you guys want okay. that, it can be yeah. like a tease. Plant um, the seed. So, plant the seed. We'll call it a night, and then uh, we'll circle back sweet. once we get some more. Yeah, so I, I did some like pretty basic sims just with uh, the flagship contest uh, today. And then also, it's a $12 single entry. And so basically what I assumed is that you're putting one lineup into both of these essentially for the season. So there's 200 contests in the season. That's the assumption. Um, and so what actually turned out to happening, both, both players were, were plus EV, like the same sort of expected return. What turned out happening is in the 15, over the whole season, only 11.8% sort of of the players made a profit. Whereas in the $12, it was like 40%. So you're just like, you're realizing your EV so much quicker when the contest isn't 25% to first, 33% to yeah. first. 
because if you take a whole season and you don't bank, like that's not good. <laughs> like it's it's right. really hard to profit if you don't bank in those contests. So yeah, and I think yep. And I mean just knowing Julian and, and having good insight into like his results, it, you see it where it's wild the swings that a high stakes player will go through where genuinely half a million dollars is nothing uh, in the sense of like, you're going to go through those. And then, yeah, you'll have some banks and then you'll plateau for a bit, have some banks and whatever, but like, then you will have months, truly months where you do it. And, and it's funny. It's like Julian, someone who doesn't sweat the games. I mean, if we're at a live final, he will obviously. And even then sometimes not, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> on the, online it's like no like he'll do this and i'll go back to his day job uh of just running a massive crypto fund and and just like forget about it and wake up and see how it goes and there'll be times where it's like oh shit like if he had made half a point more he would have gone from winning 20k to 100k and that's a net loss for him that day um with all those other and like i think that is the thing that was missing from my caveat of yes if you're winning the minimax, you're going to beat these other stakes. It's like theoretically, you will. However, reality in DFS is uh, not that simple. And to weather those swings, you need a very big bankroll. And it's that catch 22 as well, because it's hard to build the bankroll without entering those contests to win the big prizes. So, how do you get there? Um, conversations for another chat, but yeah. This was awesome, Eric. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, Jordan, thanks for, for pointing out a bunch of things that, that I miss and pushing back and, and all this. Like, I, I'm really happy with where these conversations are going and happy with what we'll get from it. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back um, either tomorrow or the day after. But yeah, talk to you guys soon. See you later. See you guys.